we started a series, this is our fourth week in a series called The Ink Commandments, where we are studying the things that Jesus told his disciples not to do. And Pastor Phil has been teaching the first week, uh, he gave us a framework for that. Second week, he taught on do not fear. That's, that's difficult, isn't it? Then the third week, last week, he gave a powerful message on do not worry. And today, I'm going to give a message on do not doubt. And the way I want to do this is I'm going to talk, first of all, I'm going to talk about the resurrection power that we have and how to connect to that resurrection power. So I'm going to give that as a framework. And then I'm going to talk about doubt and how doubt comes to us. And then I'm going to give us some strategies in overcoming that doubt. I'm going to go for about 30 minutes and then I'll be done. Are you okay with that? Join hands with the person next to you. Let's ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're the teacher. You're the counselor. You're the paraclete, the one called alongside to help us. You lead us. We want to keep in step with you. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that you come and teach through me a willing vessel. I I ask that the words that come from my mouth will uh, come from your heart through me. And just, just take over now. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, I ask that you do that. Amen. Amen. The resurrection changed everything. Think about it. Jesus taught for two and a half to three years his disciples, and he gave us these commands. Do not fear. Don't worry. Do not doubt. Do not sin. How are you doing with that one? And then do not judge. And he spent two and a half years with them, and then he died. He died. Can you see his disciples saying, what do you mean, Jesus? Don't fear. You're dead. You are dead. I'm not supposed to fear. I'm going to deny you. You're dead. What do you mean, Jesus? Don't worry. You're dead, Jesus. You're telling me not to worry. I'm worried they're going to come after me. I'm going to deny you. I'm going to flee. What do you mean, don't worry, Jesus? You're dead. Don't judge. I'm not concerned about judging other people. I'm concerned that they're going to judge me as being a disciple of yours. And they're going to come after me. What do you mean don't judge, Jesus? Don't doubt. You're dead. You are dead. What do you mean don't doubt? I'm I'm filled with doubt. I'm I'm, I'm filled with worry. I'm, I'm filled with fear. And, and me not sinning? Jesus, does it really matter? You're dead. You're dead. And then we know the wonderful biblical truth, historical truth, that on the third day, Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do. He came back from dead to life. And all of a sudden, everything changed. Those who were filled with fear were now filled with courage. What happened? 
Those who were filled with worry were now filled with wisdom and direction. Those who were fleeing from him were now going into the streets of Jerusalem and saying, let me tell you about this resurrected Lord. Their lives changed because of that resurrection. Please understand the epicenter of our faith. The foundation which we stand is based upon Jesus Christ dying on a cross, being buried in a tomb, and he rose from the dead. That's what our faith is based upon. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about how we can make that resurrection life come real inside of us. You see, I cannot overcome fear. I cannot overcome worry. I cannot overcome doubt. I cannot overcome judgment. I cannot overcome sin unless this resurrected life is abiding in me and I'm connecting to it. So let's look at a couple of scriptures. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Or your, or your iPad or your, your phone. Open up your app, however you like to, to do this. Watch this. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, what's he going to do? Will also raise Dennis. He's going to raise me with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. Are you excited about that? I mean, really. Are we living from that reality? Is that, well, gee, that's good fire insurance, and man, I'm really glad that's happening. Or is that the reality that you're living every day that you live, have the resurrected life of Christ because of the Spirit of God? And you know, listen, listen, you're never going to die. Your body will fall asleep, and your spirit will go to be with the Lord. Believers and unbelievers alike don't die. Raises and now watch this. All of this is for your benefit, and as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving because of that truth, and God will receive more and more glory. You see, when we as believers live from that resurrection, live from that resurrection life that we know we're eternal beings, it's never going to die, but we're always going to be with the Lord. We, uh, God will receive more glory. Now watch this. This is the text I really want us to see. Next slide, please. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, yes, yes, my hair is falling out. My eyesight is, I'm sore. I do a workout and after five minutes, I'm done. You know, decay, that's happening. What's happening? Our spirits are being renewed every day. May I say to you, the dosage you swallowed yesterday is not going to heal the infection today. The exercise you did last week isn't going to build strength today. The spiritual connection you had yesterday isn't the spiritual connection you have today. See, we are called by God. Please hear this. We are called by God to be renewed every single day. 
I want you to hear that. Because I know many of you go from Sunday to Sunday to Sunday to Sunday. And I'm going to talk about three things that's going to, that can, has that possibility of really changing your life in a minute. Never really connecting. Never being really truly renewed. But he says we're called to be renewed every day. Well, how do we do that? For our present troubles, if we're renewed, this is going to be the result. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. So watch this. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. I'm not asking you to be naive. I'm not asking you to be silly. I'm asking you to see beyond the troubles to what God is doing in the troubles. And to the troubles and for the troubles to, number one, bring glory to himself. Because he's all about that. And number two, to create you into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you've got to look beyond that. Rather, what, what do we do? This is renewal. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. What cannot be seen? Jesus can't be seen, guys. Abba Father can't be seen. The wind of the Spirit, the fire of the Spirit can't be seen. But he says that's what we fix our gaze on. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Question. If that was my frame of reference by which I live life from, what would happen to me? And how would I see situations that I deal with? Now, I want to share with you three things. And then we're going to get into doubt. I want to share with you three things that if these three things are in your daily walk, you are going to see life in ways you've never seen it. You're going to begin seeing it from God's perspective. Number one, are you ready? The first thing is spend time alone with Abba Father every single day and be aware of his presence all the time. Focus your gaze on him. Gentlemen, women, driving to work, turn off the radio as you drive. Don't Twitter. Don't text. Keep your gaze on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Have a time of solitude. Pray. Be connected to him. Say, Jesus, I just want all that you have for me. I love you. I adore you. Take his word. Take his word. And meditate on it. Just don't do a marathon to get through the Bible. Just take a scripture and meditate on it and say, Lord, feed me with your word. I want to spend time with you. I want to know you deeper and deeper every day. I want you to consume my heart, consume my life. I want to see you, that, which is unseen. I want to see you in my heart. I want to hear your voice. I want to connect my life to you. Number two, to be transparent. Transparent. You know, it's amazing to me. It's like, oh, I can't tell God I'm struggling with greed. Um, he already knows. Talk to him about that. Say, God, I'm struggling with greed. If you guys struggle with your spouse, say, God, 
I don't know what to do. I don't know how to change the situation. God, help me. If you're struggling with lust, to say, God, I have lust that's crept into my life. I want to talk to you about it. I want you to help me. If you're struggling with low self-esteem, say, God, I don't feel good about who I am. I, I feel lost. I, 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 I see other people so much more successful in my eyes than I am. And I just feel down on myself. And if you feel insignificant, talk to him about that. Open your heart to him. Become transparent to him. So number one, spend time with him. Number two, be transparent and open your heart to him. Number three, are you ready? Surrender to him. <laughs> Because he's got such an awesome plan for your life. He's got so many incredible things he wants to do. That as you spend time with him, as you open up your heart, he's going to say, Dennis, this is the pathway I have for you. Look at this scripture in Psalm 16, verse 11. And then we're going to get into doubt. Look at this. I love this. You will show me the way of life. How many want to be? How many people want God to show you the way of life? I do. You will show me the way of life. Grant me the joy of your presence. And watch this. I love this phrasing of this. And the pleasures of living with you forever. Isn't that what we want? See, we think that if we surrender to God, he's going to give us a life we don't want. And we doubt. We think if we surrender to God, he's going to expect something of us that we can't give and we doubt. But if we surrender to God, what's he going to do? He's going to show me the way of life. He's going to grant me the joy of his presence and the pleasures of living with him forever. And that's what we want. So the way we allow resurrection life to come inside of us. So the fear will be replaced. So the worry will be replaced. So the doubt will re- be replaced. So the sin will be replaced. And so the judgment will be replaced. The way we do that is we allow God's life to flow up inside of us. Guys, it's not going to happen any other way. You can hear message after message after message. But until you have cho- chosen to spend time with him alone... It's not going to happen. Let me ask you a couple questions. A couple questions. Do you expect to be close to your spouse if you don't spend time with them? Guys, don't say yes. Because it's not going to happen. Okay? The only way husbands and wife, and this is ordained by God, can be close is because they come together often. And what do they do? They share their life and their heart with one another. And they walk in oneness. Do you expect to be close to your children if you don't pour your life into them? And walk with them and encourage them and open your heart and let them open up their heart to you? It's not going to happen. Every single meaningful relationship you have has happened because you have spent time and you have invested and you have poured your life into time alone with that person. Do you agree? So does it make sense to you that the only way the resurrection life of Jesus Christ can flow to me, the only way I can be connected to him, the only way I can abide in him, the only way I can hear his voice and know his will for my life, the only way I can understand his word 
is by me spending time alone with him. Now, I'm going to talk about doubt for a little bit, but I want you to know that unless the things I just taught to you in your life doesn't become a reality, doubt is going to follow you all the days of your life. Fear is going to follow you all the days of your life. Worry is going to follow you all the days of your life. Judgment is going to follow you all the days of your life. And sin is going to be something that's going to be wrapped around your heart, wrapped around your mind, that's going to follow you all the days of your life. So what I just gave you, it means everything is God's plan for you and I. So let's talk about that, okay? Are you ready? Yes. All right. Doubt, first of all, is something that we all struggle with. We, we just do. Does God have a plan for me? Uh, I think so. I hope so. Does God care about the things I care about? I, th- I think so. I hope so. Does, 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 does God care about me, me planning my future, my career? Does he care about my education? Does he care about my self-worth? Does he care about my marriage? Does he care about my kids? Does, and it goes on and on and on. And so we doubt and we question things. Creation? Did that really happen in seven days? We doubt. Sexuality, does God's plan one husband to one wife and be, be sexually pure through my life just in, and to stay faithful to that covenant in marriage? Is that really important? Does God have a plan for that? See, doubt comes into two buckets. And you may want to write this down. The first bucket is this. We ask ourselves, is it worth it? The second bucket is this. We ask ourselves, is it true? Okay? So the first question, is God true? Well, you know, I can't tell you. I've had so many discussions with people who don't believe that God is true, who doesn't believe that God is a creator and that God created all things. All right? And so, so they're, they're over here. I, I'm not sure it's true. And I meet a lot of people in, in Christian organizations who still waver on whether or not to put all their weight in the reality that God is. Because if you don't come to full terms in your heart, that God is real and He's true and His word is true, then the second question, is it worth it? You're always going to say no. It's not worth it. It's not worth following Jesus. It's not worth giving Him my life. It's not worth giving Him my heart. Does that make sense to you? So is it true? Is it true one man for one woman God's order for marriage, is that true? If it is, then you're going to live life like that. If it's not true to you and you don't think it really matters, then you're going to come over here and say, you know what? Not really worth that thing. You know, we've had a good run the last 10, 12 years. I think I'm about ready to chalk this and move on to someone else. Because I haven't believed that God has a plan for my marriage and what he says in the word about my marriage is the absolute truth. So we doubt. John the Baptist doubted, by the way. Remember Matthew 11? He was in prison. And, and just before he's going to be executed, he sends his disciples to go ask Jesus. Jesus, are you really the one? Now think about this. He grew up as Jesus' cousin. Remember, he baptized Jesus. Remember, he saw the dove descend upon Jesus. Remember, he heard the Father say, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And here, John the Baptist, 
is doubting. Right? Remember Thomas? He's even got a name. What do we call him? You know what? He didn't get that name all through his three years with Jesus. He didn't get that name till the very end. Thomas even had the disciples come to him and say, Thomas, we saw the Messiah. We saw the Yeshua of Israel. He's alive. He's real. He's here. And Thomas said, what? Oh, no, he's not. Uh, unless I see the scars in his hands, I'm not going to believe. And then just like that, Jesus appears. And then he believed. So doubt is a very real part of life. But this is what I want you to understand. If you don't develop an understanding of the doubts you struggle with, doubt will take you out. See, if you don't come to a place where you truly believe that God loves you, then you're not going to pursue him. If you don't come to a place where you believe that you're fully forgiven because of the precious blood that Jesus shed on the cross, you're going to live a life of condemnation and you're going to flee him. If you don't believe that Jesus has a plan for your life, that he created you from the beginning of time, and he's, he's, he's catapulting you into his adventure and his journey for you, then you're going to live for pleasures and your own desires. See, doubt will take you out. All the time, unless you press in and discover what your doubt is and find some answers. So let's look for some answers in the Bible. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 14. I love this story. This is Peter walking on the water. There are big storms. comes up and, 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 and waves. And, and you can study the sea over there. And the seas, I mean, they could get large squalls very quick. It says, then Peter called him, Lord... If it's really you, now watch this, watch this, tell me to come to you. Now, please hear this. He was so in tune, he said, okay, if that's you, Lord, then you tell me to come. You see, when you hear the voice of God, whether it be through his word or through the impressions or sometimes through a sermon or through something you listen to, you know that inner feel that this is God speaking to your heart. And he says, if, you, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come to you and I'll walk on the water. What did Jesus say? Yes, Peter, come to me. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water toward Jesus. Now watch this. Here comes the doubt. The doubt's coming. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, that's the doubt. That's that inner conflict, that confusion in the heart, that confusion in the mind. He was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Now listen to this. Listen to this next part. I want you, it's really important that you hear this. He got out of the boat. He got out of the boat. And everybody said, oh, he, he was doubting. He, he was wavering. He got out of the boat. He stepped out of the boat. I haven't seen you get out on a rowboat in a storm and step out of it recently. You know? And then that doubt came out. Then Jesus reached out and Jesus grabbed him and Jesus saved him. You know what's so cool? Jesus will not toss you out because you doubt. 
But he's going to look at you straight in the eyes, straight at your heart, and he's going to say, why doubt? So what would happen if in our doubts we look to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't understand this. Would you show me the truth about this issue? And let him respond to you. Let me give you a journey in my life. I had tons of questions as a young man. Why would a loving God create a hell? Fair question, isn't it? My question is, how can a loving God do anything but create a hell? Because all hell is, is a place where God isn't. So there's no love because God's love and you don't want to be with him on the earth. So he's going to let you go to a place where there's no love. Because he's the originator. He is love. All hell is is a place of utter darkness because God's light. And you said, I want nothing to do with God. So he's going to allow you to go to a place called hell where his presence isn't. So why are we so upset with God? Because he created hell. You've said your whole life you want nothing to do with God. And he said, okay. Now this is what I want you to see. Not only is he pursuing you and pulling you to him through the cross. He don't want you. I long for you. I love you. He's giving you hell saying, go towards me. Don't go this way. Pushing you. That's an act of love. What do you do for your kids? You want them to obey you because of love. Pursue and take my wisdom. Take what I teach you and draw near to me and follow the ways that I've commanded you, right? Of course, all your kids always do that. My kids didn't always do that. So I had to have some kind of negative consequence here to get them to want to pursue me. You see? Does that make sense to you? Do you? I had to, this came up to me about a month ago. Maybe two months ago. So you really believe that God picked up a handful of dirt breathe into it, and life was formed. Do you really believe that? You know what my response was? What happens at the very end? You breathe out light and you turn to dirt. So if that's what happens at the end, why couldn't that happen at the beginning? And then people, I've talked to many, many, many multitudes of evolutionists. I'm just telling you, the reason I'm doing this little thing is I want you to know there's answers for the doubts. There's true answers. Many, many evolutions that, 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 that we evolved. And there was a big bang. And so I simply asked them, oh, great, there's a big bang. Who created the space and the two particles that collided then? They, they don't know. I, I, you know. And then I say, show me one thing in all of creation that left to itself gets better. This building, 100 years from now, if we do nothing, will be decayed. will be falling. There's nothing in creation left by itself that gets better in and of itself. Would you agree with that? So we think we just evolved and we just step by step on our own self and in our own power. We got better. See, those are doubts. Those are doubts. And people, they they try to trick you with these doubts. And sometimes they can get in our hearts. And I want to say to you, God has true answers for you and I. We're never at the mercy of a man with an argument. Because we've experienced Jesus. 
But don't be afraid to engage people in, in their intelligence and in their thinking about why they believe what they believe and dig deeper into the Word of God and find answers. Because if you don't, doubt can take you out. So you got to hear God about the doubts. Look at this in Matthew chapter 20, I believe. And I love this. Matthew 21. Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt, there you, there you have it, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to the mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea. Let me stop there. We're not talking about name it, claim it, silly stuff. Came around in the 80s and 90s, the televangelists. We're talking about when God speaks to your heart about, son, this is what I want in your life. That you could take that word and begin speaking it out. We're not talking about Rolls Royces and expensive cars and all that silly stuff. We're talking about laying down your life for the purpose and the mission of Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about. And so he's, when, you say, when you read this about mountain, he's simply saying, whatever I have ordained for you, the things that God wants for my life, he will orchestrate it. Through my life. And that's why he says, and it will happen. See, when the, when the Holy Spirit, if, you, if your marriage is struggling right now, I'm, I'm going to give you a little clue. God has ordained for you to have a wonderful, exciting marriage, no matter what the hell it is that you're going through right now. But you have to draw near to him and let him orchestrate that through the Holy Spirit in your life. And usually, it means I got to change. No comment. Amen. <laughs> you know? It usually means I have to change. If you have a child that's rebellious and, and is always fighting you and always strong-willed, you have to get before God and say, God, how do I touch the heart of my child? So I have an obedient child. And then you have to surrender to what he tells you to do. Your finances. God, I, I live from paycheck to paycheck. I got a mortgage. I got two car payments. I've got this payment. I've got a student loan payment. I've got this payment. And God, I needed that new clothes. And you knew, you know we needed that cruise because we just had to get away. You know, that was important. And, and, and God, at the end of the month, I have more bills than I have money. That's okay. That's fine. But it's not God's plan for your life. So get alone with God and say, God, help me to figure out. To figure out finances from your ordained order and how you want it to be done in my life. And then I'm going to surrender to that. And he'll orchestrate that through my life. I can say to the mountain, debt be gone. I can't, and I start obeying what God says, and over time, you'll find debt will be gone. I can say, God, you've ordained for me to have a wonderful relationship with my wife, to be connected in her heart. Change me and transform me and start speaking and start doing that in my life, God, that I can become the husband my wife so deserves and, and to, 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 to be all that you want me to be as a man of God. And God will begin orchestrating that in my life. I can say to that mountain, dead marriage be gone. Marriage of life and joy and peace come forth. 
to things that God has ordained. I think I've written this down. You can go to the next slide, please, because I want you to see this. What Jesus originates, he will orchestrate through me. See, this is the cool part. It's not me going to God and God doing this. It's usually me going to God and God doing this. <laughs> Changing me. Transforming me. me. And then the last thing in John chapter 6. I want us to look at it. And this is something that, that, is, that I've been meditating. It just has me very excited. This is Jesus. He just at the beginning of chapter 6. He just feeds thousands of people. And all the people are there because he's feeding them. And then he, he, he goes around. He goes to the other side of the sea. And in the morning, all the people realize Jesus, the person who fed them, is not there. So what did they do? They went across the sea to where Jesus was. Why did they do it? Because they want food. He's the McDonald's. He's the Wendy's. He's the Skyline, the Gold Star, whatever you... Butterbees, I don't care. Whatever you like. He's, he was that to them. Food in those days was hard to come by. It's not like it was today. So they were going to follow him. And when they get over there, he said, you know what? He, see, he said, I'm the bread of life. And if you want true bread, you have to eat of me. And then he said, if you want true life, you have to drink of my blood. And then the Bible says that many said this was a hard teaching. And so they fled him. So now Jesus, will pick up the scene here. Jesus now looks to his 12, and look what he says. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12, and he asked, Are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. Please understand, no matter how difficult it is, don't go until you know. Let me say it a different way. Jesus is pursuing you from birth. You find yourself in a difficult situation. You begin doubting. Ask yourself this question. If not Jesus, who? If not Jesus, who? I mean, think about it. If not Jesus, I can go to hedonism, existentialism, capitalism, humanism. I mean, all, any ism you want. But don't leave Jesus without knowing where you're going. What, what we see as leaders we see people shipwreck their lives over and over and over again because they have doubts and they leave Jesus instead of pressing into Jesus. Listen, dear friends, in your doubts, use that as a flag to pursue God with all of your heart and ask yourself, if not Jesus, if he does not have the paths of life for me, if he does not have eternal joy and pleasures for me, then who does? Who does? Would you stand up, please, and band can come forward? In your doubts, in your doubts, use that as a way 
to seek God with all your heart. And I promise you, I was a man who had many doubts. Why this God? Why that God? How come this God? What about this God? What about that God? And you know what? I met him and I pursued him and he slowly showed me who he was and he answered the doubts in my in my heart. Let me share with you one last story. And this is not at all, not at all anything about Brenda and I. But we got a call from a couple here about they have a family member that was in a difficult situation and wanted us to meet with them a month back. And so we went with them. We met with this lovely couple and we just presented Jesus. And there was weeping and crying and why they, the whole life they've, they've not pursued Jesus, just wanted to pursue the things of self and have been very successful, climbed the corporate ladder, achieved great things, but was coming to the end of the rope. You know, and it had a lot of doubts, a lot of questions. Two weeks later, as a matter of fact, this, this person called me on July 4th, and he said, would Jesus really accept me? And I looked at I, I said to him, not only will he accept you, man, he's been chasing you. The issue is not will he accept you, the issue is will you accept him? You know? And then a week later, he submitted his heart and his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And guys, that's the kingdom of God. That's what it's all about. God will answer every single doubt you have, but pursue him and seek him for the answer. God, show us the path of life. Show us the path of life. Show us the things you desire. Show us the things you long for, the things you want in our life. God, help us to draw near to you and to abide with you and enjoy you, to get to know your personality and your heart and your passions and your wisdom. God, help us to know that you, you deeply love us and that you got a plan and that you have a purpose for our life. And God, when doubts creep into our lives and it does to us often, when it does, God, help us to submit those doubts to you and look to you for clear direction and clear answers. And Lord Jesus, we love you because we know that it's to you that we are going to go all the days of our life. And we're not going to leave you, but we're going to pursue you no matter what struggles, no matter what the doubt is that you, we trust you to give us the answer and give us the power by your Holy Spirit to fulfill the things that you called in our life. In the wonderful, mighty, precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray this prayer.